This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. It's your host, Natty Boss, and I am here with an incredible human being, Miss Alex March. And we're going to be having a conversation today that's going to be multi-layered, but I really want to speak to, and I brought her on here to speak to the relationship between physical pain and emotional trauma. She's a medium and intuitive, and this is Alex March. I'm so excited for her to be here and to have this conversation. Literally just can't stop smiling because this is the type of conversation I live for. And just a little bit more information about her. Number one, I'll put her Instagram in the show notes and her website so you guys can check her out for sure. Highly recommend it. But she's based out of central New Jersey. Again, we're fellow East Coasters here. Um, She's a blue belt under Tom DeBlast, which is actually how I connected with her through a post that he had. So shout out to Tom DeBlast. Thank you so much for bringing this human into my world. A medium, a medical and trauma intuitive and all around healer. She physically feels how spirit died since a child. And since her near-death experience at 17, she became physically and medically intuitive. She can feel the trauma stuck in the body causing pain or chronic illness. She has clients all over the world and uses her own life's trauma and recovery to help and aid others in their own healing. And right before we started the session, she did a little riff on me that she couldn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Strong and definitely recommend, you know, working with her because trauma is just such a source of so much of our suffering and you can have somebody who can support you in that healing, you know, in this direct way, it's just something I would not postpone. So I am so excited to have you here, Alex. Thank you so I'm much. I'm very here. excited to be here. I'm very, this is like very, um, a huge confirmation of my mission. Mm. So it's just like the universe has aligned and it's like a new year. And this like, for me really sets the tone of like, what we both need to be doing this year, like the mission. Like, I, I love it. I love, I love when the universe confirms like this. Mm, I love that. Well, before we dive into your story, why don't you share what's your mission? <sighs> it's so, so my boyfriend the other day, he was like, who is Alex March? Cause I was having this like, like release of like all this stuff. And I go, she is somebody that the world has tried to kill time and time again. And instead I come back through the fire and I help other women create their own fire. I was like, I cannot be destroyed. This is literally full body chills. And that, in that moment, I had that like, 
every time I feel like, oh, why is this happening? Or I should be over this or the healing or, I, you know, you get frustrated by the healing. It's like the, how is there still more? How is there still more? It's like, I realize it started when I left a highly abusive relationship with a high profile tattooer when I was 23. He was trying to convince the world on Instagram that I was evil and I was all these things, you know, the smear campaign. And I educated myself so much on narcissistic relationships, abusive people, abusive power. And I took my, when I was trying to Google that stuff of like how to know you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it was like very cold. It was yeah. number one, number two, number three. And I was like, fuck this. And I started giving my real life stories. And he was like sending me fake cease and desist. He was threatening me. And I was like, I don't care because if anyone has ever felt like this, they're going to know they're not alone. And before that, years before that, it was helping young empaths, people that feel other people's energy and feel other people's emotional state. I, I made a YouTube channel, like helping young ones know that they're not alone. And this is how you feel. Cause I remember being super young and being so gifted and going to spiritual centers and people were like, you're too young for this. And I'm like, sounds made up, but okay. And like, look at, it's just like the layers of it, like all these layers. Oh God, and yeah. so it feels like the mission has been taking my struggles and taking the things that I've been through. And I've really dove into it. I dive head on. I go into that cave as far as I could go as scary and dark and wet and disgusting as it is. I, I dive head on Me and too. I feel uncomfortable and I face it. And then I feel like I, 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 I grab this like light and I pull it out with me. And I'm like, here, see, I survived it. Like, this is what you can do to survive it too. It's like, I'm not the martyr here. I'm not the, look at me. I'm so, it's not that. It's the, I, I like to make a map for people to make it their own. Yeah. So starting with the gifts and helping people with their gifts, then the narcissist, sociopath, and then like sexual abuse trauma. And it, it just, it's so multi-layered up until this point where it was, I almost died from some sort of autoimmune condition because I wasn't dealing yeah. with my grief properly and I overtrain. Yeah. And so, and that gave birth to the new mission. I almost died. I was bedridden for three months and yeah. here we are. <laughs> So I think the mission, I just want to help people become their own healer. Mm. God, I feel that so much. Mm. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. You said that because I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a few people of like why I subject myself to so much darkness, like knowing that it sucks like putting myself in those positions to like do the work and go deeper and go deeper and go into as far as you can into the tunnel. And like, nobody signs up for that. Like, I'm like, am I insane? Like, why am I actively doing this and pursuing this? And it's like, because my mission is so much bigger than that. It's like, I need to get to the root, to the light, to do the same exact thing that you said is like, yeah. it's whatever, whoever, and whatever, and universe and source, you know, is using me as the guide to, to bring that information to other people. And you just got to fearlessly go into that, even though it sucks, you know, it, it sucks. sucks and it's never fun, but I will tell you, and you will know who you are on the other side of it. Once you face that fucking storm, I love it. I love who I am with that death and rebirth. Yeah. 100%. To actively choose your death and rebirth and not have the universe have to force it anymore because it's going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So you and I are just like, you know what? I'm good with the force. I, I volunteer as tribute. 
<laughs> I volunteer. <laughs> I'll just go. Don't worry. I don't need. I don't need to get injured. I don't need to have um uh, uh something horrific happen. I'm good. I'm yes. good. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that so much. Um, so I'm sure people are already picking up on your energy. <laughs> and so I'd love for you to share because it's so interesting your story of just more about this aspect of you as a child and those gifts that you had, as well as like that experience you had at 17 that kind of turned it up a notch mm -hmm. and how it's led you, which you've kind of already spoke to, but kind of led you to do the work that you do. I mean, in a way you feel, although you do have choice, that it's not a choice perhaps in the sense that you were given these gifts. It's almost a disservice not to utilize these gifts. I, I wasn't given a shot. There was yeah. no chance of me not doing that. No, <laughs> not a child's curriculum. It was like, this is, this is why this child is being born specifically yeah specifically and I say like because you and I talked about our birth stories before like I came out with the umbilical cord and I was yeah. supposed to be dead and I said that I think last minute I was like no abort mission abort mission <laughs> first, that was the first time the universe was like I don't think so yeah yeah <laughs> I was like no. um it was like I, I remember I would be I was, I, I always say four, cause that just feels right. Yeah. I was very, very young and I was just seeing spirit everywhere. And I thought everybody did. Everybody. At four. I remember, what? what? At that young age, what do you know different? Yeah. I remember like, I would see in the kitchen, like I would see if people were eating um, and not to make like, I'm not talking about anything controversial, but if people were eating an animal product, I would see the animal around the animal product. And I would be like, what? And I would get really confused. And like, I would ask questions and kind of get dismissed. Yeah. And then my parents, um, you know, typical New York couple, toxic you know marriage they would fight like really bad and I would be in my bedroom with the dogs and a woman would come into my room and she had one eye and she would tell me she would say honey everything's gonna be okay don't worry don't worry like don't even let this bother you like this doesn't matter and I would put earmuffs on my ears and I would just hang out with the dogs so then this woman started making me it would be like four in the morning, I would go into the kitchen and I would fill a pot of water and she would have me grab basil, oregano, and garlic powder and say, if you ever don't feel good, this is what you do. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> facts. Yeah. And, um, you know, years later living with, um, we moved in with my uh, grandmother and I would tell my grandmother, I would be like, yeah, when I go in the backyard, I like, I, I, I hang out with the, the angels back there. And she's like, yeah, you do. And then I, I mean, I'm remembering in like pieces because that's how childhood feels, right? You remember right. pieces. And then I remember finding my grandma's tarot cards. Mm. And I was like, so I was like, this makes sense. I don't know what this is, but it makes sense to me. She had said to me, she goes, Alex, don't ever touch tarot. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't understand, but like, oh, okay. Um, years, you know, later, I would just see people. I would see animals. I would just see things. And I was just like, okay, there's like, 
what I, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And then, um, you know, third grade is the first time. So at this point, um, I had started my dad's, my dad's a lifelong martial artist. My dad started jujitsu in the nineties with Hensel Gracie in a, uh, um, what's it called? A, a firehouse, like the top of a firehouse. It was, it was Hensel Gracie, Greg Kukuk and a few other people. And so my dad put me in Taekwondo at like that, like super young age, because it was like, that's just what makes sense. You know, she's tiny at the time. Right. Um, and so I remember third grade is when I first started getting severely bullied. My ears used to stick out. I, I since had surgery to get them pulled back. because I was like pretty tortured about it. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I ever like got into a physical fight because I was sick of getting bullied. And I just heard someone in my head say, just use your Taekwondo, just punch her in the face. And I did. <laughs> and I, I, I feel on this type of podcast, I feel very free to talk about that stuff. There's some other ones that I'm like, let's not talk about punching people in the face. I know, this um, is open. So I love this freedom. Um, but it, it, that started it. And I was so severely bullied. I was so bullied. Um, I think that's when extreme hypervigilance started as well. Cause I would wait to gauge somebody about to be mean to me. So I was always in fight or flight. My cortisol levels were always up. And I would feel things about people or feel what they were about to say to me. And then I would try and tell myself, no, they're not going to do this. And then they would do it. And I would always know if somebody was about to cry. I would always know, like, I always just was able to feel what people were about to do. Action. um, That's why I was great at sparring growing up because I would feel something before it would happen. There was just a, it's hypervigilance, but a deeper, deeper, deeper. It's beyond hypervigilance. And that's when I started hearing inside heads. And I would hear what people were thinking and I would, I would repeat it to them. And they would say, how did you know that? And I'm I like, that out loud. I, it's, I heard you, I heard you say this. Yeah. Um, fast forward years, trauma, relationships, uh, addicts, woo. Uh, 17 years old. I'm at a hardcore show, hardcore music. And I was looking for the bathroom. Don't, I was walking through the mosh pit. I got hit in the face right here. Um, under my nose, fell down a flight of cement steps, cracked my head open. So I've never dealt with this situation before until the other night. My boyfriend did Reiki on me and I had a somatic. So this is now 17 years later. I'm able to now handle this because I've made life safe enough. I've made myself strong enough. Mm -hmm. And I had this experience that I'm laying on this wet, gross bathroom floor and everyone's like, she's dead. And I'm like trying to scream to them and say, I'm alive, I'm here, help. And I couldn't. And it blanks out from there. And then, you know, the next thing I remembered is I woke up in a hospital bed and I was fine. And I was just pissed off. I wasn't wearing a bra under the thing. And I was like, who saw me without a shirt on? I don't like this. And I like got up all stubborn and like grabbed the thing and they're like screaming at me and they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I need a shirt. The only thing that I had ever actively remembered from that is when I uh, had the near-death experience, somebody saying, go back. And it was like an echo. It was like, I saw this bright white light and somebody said, go back. And came out of it. You go back here? Yeah, back to earth. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't my time. Yeah. yeah okay. Um. And I, my sister and like my dad had told me that they had said like, I was either never going to wake up the same person again, or... I was never going to wake up. Um, they were going to go into my brain with a drill because the swelling was so bad. I was bleeding down the front of my face. And then the 
the night that they were like, we're giving her this night, my brain healed itself overnight. Everything healed itself overnight and I was completely fine. There was no damage. Wow. Uh, so they were calling me like a, uh, an actual like walking miracle. Yeah. Um, now at 34 to think of that, I'm like, that was a heavy, heavy thing. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't even the heaviest part. Well, that wasn't the heaviest part of it for me after. Because after I became, my body started taking on other people's virus, disease, physical ailment, physical pain. And I would feel whatever somebody was feeling that I was talking to. If they had a knee injury, I would feel their knee injury. If they had heart issues, I would feel the heart issue. And spirit, I started now feeling how it felt for them to pass. So I would start going into like cardiac arrest, unable to breathe, like go in and out of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I would hear, this is so-and-so is this person. And I would be like, is this uh, your so-and-so? Do they die like this? And people are like, yeah, how the fuck do you know that? Um, So with the brief talking about getting severely bullied, I didn't like telling people that I did this um, or I could do this because I was afraid of getting bullied even more. Um, Mm -hmm. My teeth were really bad. My ears stuck out. It was a very, very hard, like my my self-worth was very, very low. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it got so severe. I couldn't keep like a functional job. I couldn't be out in public. I couldn't go on the internet. I, I, there was not much that I could do. And I remember that I asked my dad to get me uh, hospitalized. Um, I asked to be put on medication and be put away somewhere because I like couldn't handle it. The anxiety was so bad all the time. I always was sick to my stomach. I was always feeling somebody's stuff. I was always shaking. My nervous system was always in overdrive. Mm-hmm. And um, it got to the point of a paranoia where I would like hear people talking about me. It was like really fucking ugh. like to yeah. think back to it. Yeah. And um, I said to the universe, I literally went outside and I just said, help help yeah and um weeks later a woman found me through a mutual friend they were like at an event together and handed her a card and said I feel like someone in your life needs me and the card said Reiki master medium um intuitive and the person was like oh this is for Alex because I remember I would just tell everyone I'm like I know I'm a medium and I know I'm psychic which that word I will never use in my life now because it's there's so much ugliness to it um, with manipulators and con artists uh, and predicting the future that anyway. Um, and I called her and I was like, hi, my name's Alex and I'm a uh, empath and I'm this and I'm this. And she saved my life. Wow. She saved my life. She taught me Reiki. She helped me harness my gifts. I was going to say, she like how to, yeah, like harness. <clears throat> she taught me how to shield, how to like pull the energy out of myself and how to, she, she basically gave me like a siphon where I was able to take everything I was feeling and siphon it and understand it to help. Oh my God. She set me up to do group readings with her. So I was like this young kid doing group readings and I'm like nailing this stuff. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I don't, my brain wasn't even mature enough yet to understand what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. From there, I got into tattooing and I became a tattoo artist and that that was years of my life and that's when it got worse again and it was like I would touch people and I would feel everything that they felt and if you think about it tattooing is a blood ritual you're going into people's DNA their cellular trauma in their DNA their generational trauma in their DNA so touching people became way too hard for me I would have migraines every day lower back aches um I would grind my teeth I would 
feel too much. I would feel spirit too much. I would shake. It was really, really aggressive. And then um, this like tattoo artist like found me and he was like, you're amazing. And I believe in what you do. Like I opened up to him. Um, long story short, I'm living in Asheville, North Carolina within two weeks, uh, house in Philly, house in Asheville, North Carolina, tattooing with this person, thinking I'm living my dream when really this was when the shadow work was just beginning. Um, I wasn't doing readings at the time because I was just like, oh no, I'm going to be, I'm just going to focus on myself and work on my YouTube channel. And um, long story short, uh, it turned out to be the most horrifically abusive situation I've ever been in in my life. And I questioned everything about Reiki. I questioned everything about my past. I questioned everything about my gift. Um, I thought that the universe like betrayed me. And I was like, see, this is why I can't trust the universe. I thought everything was good, but it was like, I was just a Reiki master, like just became a Reiki master. And I really realized that then like circling back to mission, I genuinely feel like it was my, this was the start of my true mission. Yeah. Because I left this relationship barely hanging on, barely surviving. I was not, I was not okay. Yeah. And I remember laying on my floor and saying to like my spirit guides, my team, I'm like, how could you do this to me? Like yeah. I was so disheveled from psychological, emotional, financial, uh, all the abuses. Yeah. They said, if you don't want to live for yourself, live for what you do for others. And I was like, okay, guys, you're right. And so we had, I had gotten a tattoo right here. It's on my ring finger. Um, yes. It was alpha and omega. Mm. And I got it when me and him got engaged. It was like my little like Valentine's Day present. Like, look, like you're my first and my last uh, love. Uh, so I, I took readings. I was back home in Jersey. I took readings and I went to this house to do group readings and I started rubbing my tattoo. And I was like, what's going on? And then I look at her and I go, did you just leave a sociopathic marriage? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Like now spirits using my tattoos there. Yeah. So it was like the real, how it became, how it is now. And then I was like, I, I remember I was like your shoulder. I was like, what happened with your sister when you were younger? And she's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like mm -hmm. it got so much more where I was now actively doing readings like every day. Cause I never wanted a tattoo again. I never wanted a tattoo again. Tattooing to me brought me the worst thing that has ever happened to me so I was like I need to do this full time and it was so strong anyway yeah. and um, the shadow work the destruction having to work through that destruction now posting for people the real life stories what they do to you how it's like not only soul rape but like they do this and they get into your head like this and then doing these readings where I'm feeling the physical ailments in people and I'm hearing that people have autoimmune I'm like this is because of this and your liver and it's history from there. And here we are now, God knows how many years later, I'm booked until December of this year. So wow. I don't want to rambling. I want us to be able to have a conversation. No, that's amazing. No, that's amazing. I think it's important for people to hear your story. And so you kind of landed in a good spot to kind of go into a little bit deeper, like more of, you know, the science, if you will, or biology, if you will, yes. like the physical ailments that people experience. 
and how it stems from the unprocessed trauma and the emotion in the body. So you do a lot of a lot of work in your captions, distilling this and, you know, so 100% read her captions and follow her. Um, but just for this conversation, just, you want to speak more to that, that aspect, like for instance, that liver detoxification and, and things like that. So what I had come to realize it was after, um, so I, you know, post that relationship, I, you know, had really good and healthy ones between. Um, I worked on Vans Warped Tour for a few years. My ex-boyfriend was in like a headlining band on the tour. I was like really living a good life for a bit that, you know, respectfully, like such a good person. We have so much love for each other. We just grew apart. And then I wound up in a relationship again that I didn't know that I could land up with somebody like that again. And um, I did. And at the end of that relationship, um, is when I had decided. So the background of my dad with jujitsu. And so I had grown up doing jujitsu here and there. And um, so when I was 14, 15, I started to get back into jujitsu and the people, uh, the one um, upper belt that I was working with sexually assaulted me. And I swore jujitsu off forever. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope, never doing this again. Going back to Muay Thai, going back to sparring, like never doing this again. And, um, so at the end of my relationship with this person, I had started because during quarantine, I had started judo with, um, one of the guys, I work at a kickboxing gym and I teach it. And one of the coaches there, Dutch boxer, but he's also a fifth degree judo black belt from Japan. And we're like soul sisters, even though he's Mike, he's a guy. We're like, we're like besties. And he was like, I'm bored. You want to learn judo? I go, yep. (laughs) And so I'm with this like 200 pound, large black belt man. Like I'm what, 117 pounds. I'm fucking throwing him. I'm having the time of my life. And then we made it to the ground and I would be like, I froze and I didn't know what to do. And he was like, kid, he was like, you don't even remember side control. He was like, you, you know, you gotta like, like, let's get it together. And that day I decided I was reclaiming myself in jujitsu. I was taking my power back. I was starting jujitsu again. And I did the next day. During that week, my, this, this asshole ex that I just left did something so psychologically fucked up to me that I had a panic attack so bad it caused a heart condition. Uh, we thought I had a stroke or a heart attack. It was two during like COVID hospital that I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. Like it's too, like, it was really, really scary. Yeah. Um, there was like a stabbing in my heart. It was like the, my chest was always in knots. Like I couldn't breathe. I was always dizzy and it was really fucking scary. And I, in my head, I go, this is broken heart syndrome. Yeah. I go, I know my heart physically broke. My heart is physically broken because of this person. So I was still training anyway. I was still doing jujitsu, doing judo, um, all while trying to heal myself. And now, so I knew that this was, this was new. This was new information. Like I'd helped other people with stuff. Never. It was never this bad for me. Um, I started channeling and really hearing you have to work on your gut first. So I was like, okay, we have to work on our gut. All right. I had already reversed uh, IBS in myself young. 
um, getting off dairy. Uh, and so I started eating a shit ton of kimchi and taking a lot of probiotics and taking a lot of garlic. And I didn't, it, it, there was still, there wasn't this much information as you see now that I could confirm yeah. what I was feeling, but I kept feeling like there was toxic sludge coming out of my intestines. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why? I just feel like there's like this toxic sludge because I'm very in tune with myself. I was like, and I think it's going through my bloodstream and my heart. Like, there's just like, I, I need to figure this out. Yeah. So a few months go by, I'm working on my gut health. I'm working on my gut health and my heart. I do the emotional work. I did the, I did the anger, the anger release. I did the grief release. I did, you know, all the things that I would give a client on top of healing my gut. And my heart went back to normal completely. My body was my own again. My wow. body was hundred percent my own again. I started really like doing like excelling in jujitsu. Um, I started really, really, I was just like, I was back on my game, but it made me have to step back because there were so many things I wasn't listening to with this relationship. And I just would have overtrained through it. Mm. This Which is such an important point to make because so many people are doing that. It would have made it safe to be in their body and feeling when that's what's, that is where the information is. You just need to listen. Yeah. And know what your body is telling you. Because yeah. it gives you signs and we don't listen. We're just like, oh, it's just an ache. Oh, it's just a pain. No, there is a whole fucking story in every injury you have. There's a whole story in every weird pain that you have. Mm-hmm. And um, so at this point, so we're doing jujitsu for like two years. We're still doing judo, um, loving it. I'm having the time of my life. And both my dogs died December of last year. Very short span of one another. Mm. Um, I'm still, you know, I have a lot of trauma coming up, but both my dogs dying. I, um, didn't, I didn't, I didn't handle it properly. And so I started training jujitsu seven days a week, doing two a days, um, ignoring everything. So it was too hard. It was too hard to face. And I was almost afraid that I was going to go back to the heart condition. It was like this weird, like, I was like, no, I don't want to go back there. Like, let's just train through it. Like, let's, you know, let's just like try and take it one day at a time. And oh, my body did because my body (laughs) shut the fuck down. My legs stopped working. My arms stopped working. I was drooling as I was talking. I couldn't get speech out. I couldn't see. Um, I couldn't really hear. I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk. I couldn't bathe myself. I couldn't make myself food. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't keep food down. I was done. I was done. There was, I wasn't here anymore. Yeah. I would just cry myself to sleep every night. And I would just say, I'm done. Like it's over. I wrote my will. I wrote letters to everyone I love. I would go to sleep every night. And I would think it was the last night of my life. And I would say, all right, this is my last night on this earth. I just hope my animals are okay. That's all I cared about is that my animals would be taken care of. And um, I, I, I would mourn and say, oh my God, I'm done with jujitsu. It's over. And I was so sad. I'm going to, I was so sad because I was like, all I wanted to do is get to a place of like my blue belt. Like that was a goal. And it wasn't like that, like, I need to do this just for this. It was the, I'm reclaiming this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to work really hard to get to that next level because I, 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 yeah, I owe it to myself. And I was like, it's, it's gone. I'm going to die. I'm going to die a white belt. 
<laughs> and um, I remember writing in one of my letters to uh, my coach, I was like, hey, if I die, can I please have my poop home? Um, so it was like two years and I was working really hard. And uh, so this is how you could see if I'm crying to it, there's more to be done. Yeah. I'm reacting to it. I'm having that physiological reaction. There's more to be done here, which is good. This is a clue. Um, so I remember going to sleep that night and thinking that and wake up the next day and saying, fuck this. I was like, nope, nah, uh-uh. This has tried to kill me. This has tried to kill me. This has tried. I've been dying since birth, man. Yeah. It's going to take a lot more than this. I was like, not a fucking chance. I'm here for a reason. It was like, I needed that like time yeah. to just be like, and then I was like, fuck this. So then I was like, all right, we have to go deeper in the gut, deeper in this. I discovered, I was like, I, I was like, I have to repair the lining in my intestines. I discovered all about how high levels of cortisol. So your gut biome as a child, when you come from a toxic environment is already weak to begin with. Abusive mm -hmm. relationships weaken your gut biome even more. So, and your, your gut biome will not repair itself upon leaving said situation. You have to repair it. It doesn't just heal itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, I need to go deeper. I need to go so much deeper. So I started doing liver detoxification, repressed rage, repressed anger, uh, environmental toxins, emotional um, purging, the things that we hold in, the inner child, the things that we can't say to people. So we live in a society that is so hellbent on anger being toxic when it's really the only way I've ever saved myself. Anger, mm -hmm. sacred rage is the only way I've ever saved myself. It's how I left my ex-fiance. It's how I left that other fucking psychopath. It's how I've ever stood up for myself. It's how my boundaries have come out to play. It's how I've left um, jujitsu schools and chosen myself. Mm -hmm. It has been the most powerful emotion to me. So I was like, I'm not going to look at my liver because I teach people to touch their organ and see who's inside there. Figure out, let's see who is in there. Who could we bring out in this, in, in this, this soul retrieval? Who, what age is sitting in there? What version is sitting in there? And then we have that physiological release of it. So you may get sick. You may, you know, a bunch of stuff happens, right. but when we ignore the emotions, our body if you don't make time for trauma, trauma will make time for you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it did to me. And that's exactly when I had to figure out I had leaky gut. Yeah. My gut had dysbiosis because that's all so dangerous. Yeah. That's all those toxins circulating in your bloodstream. It's think about it, right? My, my body couldn't handle it anymore. It fought as hard as it could until it couldn't fight for me anymore. Cause I wasn't fighting for my body. I was fighting oh, against pause and just like, we just need to pause because that is just so true. And we just need to like everybody listening, like we fight tooth and nail for our body to work for our ego's agenda. And we don't realize we have to show the fuck up for our body too. Yeah. It's a two way relationship. And I just loved that quote there. That'll be on the quote card, but okay. <laughs> When you um, that recognition. I love that. But it's true. I wasn't fighting for my body. I wasn't fighting for my inner child. I wasn't fighting for the pain I was feeling. I was expecting my body to be this fucking invisible machine that was holding 
decades upon decades upon decades of my great grandmother's trauma, my grandmother's trauma, my mother's trauma, my own trauma, my inner child, my inner teenager, my inner me, me from a month ago. I was expecting this body to hold all of this while getting the shit kicked out of it at jujitsu seven days a week. Yeah. What did I think was going to happen? Yeah. Thank God it happened Mm -hmm. because my mission has never been more clear in my life. My boundaries have never been more clear in my life. Me before this, I, my boundaries were shit. I was trying to prove myself at jujitsu. Oh, look at how much I could withstand. Look at how much I could train. Look at how much I could get the shit kicked out of me. Yeah. Now my boundaries are, because I physically feel things. I was touching people, even if I knew it was going to make me sick. Now yeah. my boundaries are, I'm not rolling with you. Like touching you. Yo, you have to work on your trauma. Like there, there's just the, the, the levels of it, but I remember jujitsu was the focal point. I was like, you're not going to fucking do this to me. I, I am not, I'm not somebody that is going to fucking die. You are not, this is not happening. I was like, I'm meant to be here. And now it's, my mission is so much stronger. And my fire has never been fucking higher. Yeah. And, um, One of the I, things I like to kind of use as a mantra is like turning my pain into purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And like you have to use, if you're brave enough and open enough, and honest enough to look at your pain and not, you know, create stories around your pain, but just acknowledge the fact that you have the pain and what the pain is, you can really channel that into your purpose. And that's where yeah. I feel like we gain clarity around our purpose. If we're willing to go into the darkness, well, then yeah, I have to go into the darkness because people love the gaslighting term. Like, oh, it makes you stronger. Trauma does not make you stronger. You make you stronger. Trauma does not make you stronger because there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people that have had a really rough life that unfortunately end up addicts yeah. and they're not able to get out. Like we can, we have to stop saying that trauma makes you stronger. You make you stronger. It's how far you're willing to walk into the darkness. Yeah. Make you stronger. It's how far you're willing to walk, walk into the darkness of what's happened to get the purpose from it. Mm. Yes. And there's so much wisdom in that dark path. There's so much wisdom in pain. There's so much wisdom in trauma. If we choose to go to it, if we choose to run, that's when chronic illness happens. That's when chronic pain, injury, it's when we're running, but but it's not somebody's fault because they don't know how to listen. They don't know this. That's why, Mm -hmm. thank God, like you and like people were putting this out there. That it's like, and even looking at a lot of your posts where you're like, guess what? Like when you're overworking yourself, you're overtraining yourself. Like this is why you're getting injured. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, thank you for that. Because like to hear that be said in this space, another really magical part of us doing this today is we're one year since I got sick. Oh, wow. And that's got goosebumps. This is one year since I got sick. Um, I dove into the depths of hell to heal my body, to figure out what leaky gut was, to figure out why these toxins were floating around my body, what I needed to do, the steps I needed to take, how I was going to do this, how intestinal parasites, why are we not talking about it? It's a plague. It is Lyme disease and co-infections of Lyme disease. First of all, I mean, there's not enough research, but can be sexually transmitted. It can be like, it 
how many people have these infections that they don't know about normal standard blood tests it doesn't come up exactly and it's affecting mental health so our stomach is our first brain and if our stomach has these pathogens and so intestinal parasites uh, feed on your GABA feed on your serotonin just mm -hmm. bad bad bacteria in your gut is going to control a lot of your mind it's going to mm -hmm. control your heart your heart your stomach and your brain are all so so many different neural pathways to your vagus nerve which is the nerve that has ptsd and trauma sitting in it and it's the super highway between the brain the heart and the stomach so mm -hmm. it, that super highway is like the most important part of our body and if mm -hmm. it's stuck in fight or flight the nerve of fight or flight if it's not healed, if our systems are out of whack because bad gut bacteria with trauma that it's feeding on our trauma in our gut, if we're not nurturing that stuff and taking care of it, that's how the dysbiosis starts. That's how the leaky gut begins. That that that's how the my brain's not right and these bad pathogens can can wage war on us and we don't even know because in other countries. So if you go to Mexico and you show any sign of tingling, numbness in your hands. Um, or autoimmune, they instantly make you do a parasite cleanse. Here, yeah, doctors will gaslight you about it. Not mm -hmm. saying I think emergency medicine and um, modern medicine is what saved my head. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I never discount it. I'm not anti. I'm actually very pro. I think that the the it's revolutionary how far we've come. Yeah. I just wish that this functional medicine, this this deeper stuff, this you hear everyone say, oh, I have candida overgrowth. Mm -hmm. I need to get rid of the candida in my body. It's making me feel like this. Why do you have candida? What is the underlying cause? Mm -hmm. Mucus loves trauma. What is mucus also trying to get rid of? Intestinal parasites, it's trying to protect you. So if you have an overgrowth of this stuff and you're like, I'm getting rid of this, but you're not going to the root cause, which is emotional, parasitic, um, bacterial, you're not... You're addressing the surface level. Yeah, and you're punishing your body. You're telling your body, you're wrong for trying to save me. Yeah. So it's learning to listen to the, when we have bronchitis, when we have a cold, when we have shoulder pain, when we have stomach issues, what is going on? Learning how to hear the emotional imprint. The last two weeks, I got sick. Um, I was feeling off. And I chose how we just said in this one year, of me getting sick, I was going to try and fight through it anyway. And I go, no. And I'm so lucky that Tom understands my gift and he listens to me and he understands that I can't just touch people. He understands that I'm not like other people. And yeah. he's like, take it, take your time. Like I'm yeah. here, we're here. And he's supportive and checks in on me. And, um, it was really good for me because I didn't try and power through things. And I had that boundary and it was like, no, I need to rest. And what that rest did was I went into my closet. I went into all of my closets. I went into the bathroom. I went into every, my clothes and I, I, I purged so much. Yeah, that's so weird. You did that like in the past couple of weeks. Cause I did the same thing. It, it, it felt so cleansing, so cleansing. It was when my closet was finally complete. And I took away anything that was associated with any part of my past life. Cause I donate everything to a, a domestic violence shelter. Um, so it's a lot of self-help books too, that it, it's at the time I needed them and I don't anymore. It's a lot of clothes, excuse me, a lot of clothes, a lot of just stuff that it could be transmuted for somebody else. It can't be transmuted for me. Yeah. Um, 
And it was after that. And I started feeling myself again. My body felt free again. And then you reached out to me about this podcast. And I was like, oh my God, universe? <laughs> universe? Not only is this one year since I'm sick, not only is this, I made myself rest and deal with my trauma and do what I needed to do. I listened to my body. I rewrote last year. I rewrote it. And then I have somebody that's talking about everything I believe in, in jujitsu, no less. Like, you can't make the shit up. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Is it crazy or just divine? right on time? It's <laughs> right on time. It's right on time. I just, I, I just, I feel like the mission now has never been more clear and it's helping people that like the amount of people that leave narcissistic relationships, sociopathic, toxic relationships, or have a toxic childhood. And they have these autoimmune conditions that they're just told up. Nothing we can do. Like, no, there, there's a lot that you could do. There's actually a whole lot that you could do. Oh my God, 100%. That's why I was so happy to have you on here and talk about your experience because I feel like sometimes I'm like the only one on the battlefield champion, championing, championing for that, that perspective. I'm just like, no, this is not the end of the line. Like there is so much more here. You have to go deeper within and heal. Like that is the solution. And no, it's not a quick fix. No, it's not going to be pretty, but do you want to experience your life in this suffering? Or do you want to feel liberation and freedom, which it requires you to experience some short-term pain to experience the long-term pleasure of vitality and life? If your body could withstand the amount of battles you've had and try so hard to keep you alive, you can feel the discomfort that's been hiding in your muscles, your cells, your tendons, your bloodstream. You can feel it for your body for a bit after all it's done for you. That's the least we owe our bodies for carrying us through all of it. 100%, 100%. And there is something that you had spoke to a few times and you know you have the experience with, and I know that comes up a lot with people in the sport, because a lot of people join jujitsu for similar reasons, like for self-defense and that empowerment and that embodiment um, of attracting the partners. But can you speak to a little bit more of your understanding of how we attract those toxic partners due to the unresolved trauma and those relationships and how we, how that trauma impacts those relationships? Because I work with a lot of people who want to improve their relationships. However, you know, there's this unprocessed trauma and their emotions and things like that, that are causing them to repeat these cycles. So first and foremost, when it comes to that, it's the inner child. Um, It's examining the relationships with the parents. It's examining the relationship between the parents. It's going back in lineage. Uh, What were your grandparents' relationships like? It's what is your version of love? It's is what makes your oxytocin feel love? What did you experience young? What chemicals built the components of love for you? That's the science. Let's go into the physiological, your nervous system. Your nervous system will feel butterflies for something because it's confused. It wants to procreate with something that feels dangerous, feels Mm -hmm. danger. And we don't know how to read that. We think it's good. We're like, oh, because that's our oxytocin. We're chasing that chemical high. 
healing your gut, probiotics, parasite cleansing, biofilm cleansing, colon cleansing, coffee enemas, liver cleansing, lymphatic drainage. These go hand in hand with also emotional cleansing, facing, why does love feel like this for you? Facing your inner child, facing your inner teenager, looking at what stories we're trying to recreate. Mm. What parent are we trying to get to love us? Mm. What parent are we trying to get the approval of? Why does danger feel like this? Why do we, I mean, I grew up dating gang members. Like what? What? Like, I was like, oh my God, it's so cool that you're violent and you have face tattoos and like this. Like, what the fuck, Alex? I wouldn't even hurt a bug. (laughs) I was attracted to danger because I never felt safe. Yeah. And I wanted somebody that was so dangerous that would be the protector of me, despite the cost, that would make me feel safe. I was looking for safety. So we look for safety in the wrong places if we don't understand what safety is as a child. Mm. look to rewrite look to try and save our inner child or prove our inner child to other people so Mm. what can keep this alive when we heal ourselves when we heal our gut when we do the detoxification we're able to get rid of the cells of the bacteria of 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 the low gut biome that keeps this intact because our stomach is connected to our brain. Our heart is connected to our brain, all these neural pathways. So it's Mm -hmm. like when people say like, you know, I've done the work, I've been doing the work, I've been doing the emotional work, I've been doing the emotional work. Why do I keep like wanting people like this? It's because you in here may think like, I want somebody like this. You in here doesn't, and you in here doesn't. Your heart and your stomach, those separate systems, your nervous system, your nervous system still gets excited about danger. Your nervous system still gets, and that's why we're more susceptible to guys that are gaslighting, guys that are creating the trauma bond, guys that are um, manipulating. Cause it's like, I've done the emotional work and okay, so I know what to look for. This person's so nice and they're so kind and they're so thoughtful of me. Your body is still attuned your nervous system is still attuned to that like I'm excited about this danger thinking that it's good because you've done the emotional work and you or and you've done the mental work and the next thing you know you're back in the same situation wondering how did I get here I love that word attuned because that really is like the remedy for our inner child is attunement and that really goes hand in hand with what is why I love the work that you do with working with the nervous system. Cause I'm, I'm freaking obsessed with nervous system work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can think or believe that we have entered a different paradigm or belief or thought, but like if our nervous system is still attuned to that old way, it yeah. doesn't matter what we think that is what's going to be attracted. Yeah. And then like with that, so like, I, 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 I hate, how much people blame themselves or they're like, I attracted this or, Mm -hmm. and it's not the, it's not the kind of like, how do, how does this attract into our lives? It's the, I attracted this, there must be something wrong with me. And it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all still surviving in survival mode. Like if you don't know any better, how are you supposed to do any better? And a, a huge part of the clue here is how much 
shame we have, how mm. much shame and how much repressed guilt we have. So mm. the things we're not proud of, maybe, maybe the times we begged a partner not to leave us, even though with the other hand, they were slapping us in the face yeah. or the times that they're emotionally abusing us, psychologically abusing us, putting us down. And we feel such shame about it. And we're like, I can't talk about that. Like I, that wasn't my most proud moment. That was the inner child begging the parent to stay. That was the inner child begging for love in yeah. all the wrong places. You can't be mad at this version of yourself because you're just keeping it locked into your nervous system like an iPhone screenshot. It's just screenshotting into your vagus nerve. It's we need to go into those and say, the, the best way to be free is to do the gut health work and to do the shame work, to go into it and say, you know what? And if you've ever seen in my post, I write, I have begged someone not to leave me after they've literally kicked me and degraded me and called me a whore and told me I was ugly and all these things. I've begged them not to leave me because the threat of being abandoned the threat of being abandoned by somebody despite the cost hurt more than the words they were doing because yeah. I was able to withstand being abused. I was bullied. I childhood. I didn't want to be abandoned. Yeah. The abandonment. We, the amount of times we abandon ourselves to not be abandoned by somebody. And it's, it's the, the, our nervous system, right? when you're in that toxic relationship and it's terrible and you're like, oh my God, and then they hold your hand and it all goes away because your nervous system is calm. Yeah. They didn't abandon That's you. Yeah. It's all, it's the nervous system and the nervous system heals through gut work. It yeah. heals, your vagus nerve heals through the emotional, through the physiological. It's like, it's so interconnected. And then um, the somatic body, doing somatic body. I've had the most luck in jiu-jitsu with somatic body experience where your body is in you're moving parts of your body where things are stored like yeah. how many times your hips yes how i was just gonna it's say like um, is it called shrimping or is it called therapy because <laughs> you don't have stuff or even just like half guard for me like chilling in half guard and then like sweeping to the other side i'm like ooh, who was in there like i'm yeah. feeling it. it's crazy um, I think jujitsu is the most profound somatic body experience healing that anyone could do for themselves. I truly do. And I've done it all. I've done yoga. It's it. Yoga's great. I, I like to do it for myself, but it didn't do much. Um, because when your body comes from chaos, sometimes it needs chaos to believe it's real in the healing. Yeah. Like mm. people, yeah. and I learned this. Safety. Recreate uh, that safety in that chaos. Yeah. Because I, I kind of, often say like, cause we chose it, you know, we chose this. We may have not chosen some of the other trauma and abuse that we've experienced, but we yeah. signed up for jujitsu. We chose jujitsu. Yeah. So we can really utilize that as a healing modality. It doesn't mean we're not going to be re-triggered, but it means it gets to be a vehicle for us to come back into ourselves and to heal yeah. literally through our body, you know, with those imposing threats that aren't dangerous per se, right? Like we know that we'll tap. We know there's a tapping system. It just is, you know, re-triggering those old experiences, but creating safety in those moments helps you really be able to rewrite those narratives. Yeah. And like, and obviously there's shit everywhere. So, I mean, I've had some women uh, DM me and they're like, thank you so much. Uh, Jiu-jitsu. I started it a few months ago because you talked about it and I'm actively doing better in therapy. I'm, you know, this, and I've had some people say, I had a really bad experience with some of the men there. They talked to me like this. And it's like, yeah, I did too. 
like that's what sucks too. Uh, and that's the reality of it. We're talking about, you know, some of the beautiful things and jujitsu is beautiful, but we, we need to also make sure that the girls that are listening to this, um, on my end and your end, maybe they haven't tried it yet. No, go to a gym where there's a lot of girls go, you know, to a gym where it's recommended. Like you want to keep yourself as safe as possible. And it's, the music industry, the tattooing industry, the spiritual, it's not just jujitsu. So like, don't let one bad experience like I happen to me ruin yeah. it for, for you forever, because the rewards of this are so much stronger than just saying, all right, bye to this gym. I'm going to go find another one. Yeah. And you can, you can find good groups. You can find great groups of people that want to support you. And like our team at Ocean County, we're literally a family. Like, yeah it's every no one's in competition like everyone's just so supportive of each other and it's just like what better environment to heal and it's a mat that most people would be so scared to step on yeah it's tom de blast's competition mat like most people would be afraid to step on that mat when that's the safest mat i've ever been on yeah Mm. emotionally mentally physiologically it's the safest mat i've ever been on wow so that's my my nerding about Tom the Bless. I love that. I'm a pre- he'll appreciate the shout out. <laughs> you had mentioned earlier. Um, I wanted to kind of just speak to your way that you take care of yourself. Being the you know jujitsu is one of them, but like for your energy management, because mm-hmm. you're such an empath and you physically feel so much of other people. I'm curious just how you take care of your physical body and you know find and how those, uh, how it became easier for you to like create that boundary and those boundaries and what do those boundaries look like? Um, I used to be somebody that because I had such a sensitive time with, uh, women or I, I, w- I used to be very codependent, very people pleasing. I wanted acceptance, um, you know, typical trauma sur- <laughs> survivor. And, um, I, used to be somebody that I would do free readings all the time. And I would say, oh, look, like, this is what I'm getting for you. And I would be like, oh my God, they're going to be nice to me now. Cause I was like, I had so much trauma and feeling those boundaries alone and knowing that my gift is like, this is my full-time job. Like, yeah, I've worked so, so hard. All of this stuff that I've had to endure to get here those boundaries became really strong for me after I got sick earlier in the year. And I realized that I was going against any boundaries that I even thought I was making. I was like, I will never risk being bedridden, writing my fucking death letters ever again. So it was like, when everyone's like, come train, or it's like, why aren't you here? I'm resting. It's been a lot of listening to my body. It's a lot of deep breathing. Mm. Breath work is like chef's kiss grounding guys you heard her say it guys (laughs) i'm not the only one pulling the energy doing getting the energy off your body other people's energy taking care of your biofield your human my biofield my aura people stuff that sits in it like doing expansive work like setting the sending the energy out doing the breathing work in and channeling it out uh sea salt sea salt sea salt is amazing take pink Himalayan salt and I scrub my whole body with it. Get rid of people's cords, people's energy, get it out of me. I put my hand on my shoulder and I put my hand on the back of my neck and I say, whose cords are attached to us? You know, what did they want? Um, I've even had to set boundary with spirit. 
where I say, listen, I can't always be on the clock. Yeah. Unless it's emergency, I can't always be on the clock. Cause it was like, I couldn't go out. Yeah. I couldn't, I was out at like, it was probably seven years ago. I was at a bar with my friends and I guess I went up to a woman and I was like, Hey, did you just have a miscarriage? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, your kid's going to come back soon. Like, don't worry. It just wasn't the right time for him. I said something like he wanted to be a Scorpio. Like he did not want to be this time. I'm teaching my kids kickboxing class, um, a year ago. And a woman comes up to me. She's like, hi, I don't think you remember me, but you came up to me once at, uh, this bar and you asked me if I had a miscarriage and you said that he was coming back soon. Um, or I said in six months, she got pregnant again, six months later, she goes, and, um, you're, uh, you're, you're teaching the soul you talked to that you said was coming back. And I was like, oh my God, I oh look at him and I'm like, I was like, yo, little homie. I'm like, good to see you on the other side. Oh my God. It's stories like that all the time. Yeah. yeah. But that kind of stuff is important because yeah. it gives people hope. So it's like, I just have to draw the line of like, yeah. If I'm at a jujitsu seminar and somebody is grandmother that's come through a hundred times and is disrupting me from my thing, like, cause sometimes spirit could be like little assholes. Um, I can say that I have a very good relationship with them and they control my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just, it's saying, no, it's people that try to take advantage of me or, Hey, Alex, how have you been? Um, I know you're busy, but like, I have a question. It's like, no, your question yeah. costs money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't deplete for you. It took my body getting sick so much. I can't deplete for people anymore. Oh God, I have I to show up for myself. Mm, I love that mantra. Write that mantra down, guys. I cannot and will not deplete for you. Yeah. I think that is so powerful. We are so used to giving from and pouring from an empty cup, which is something I talk about a lot. And yeah. I don't think that word deplete, it just feels so yuck, right? Like it feels so yuck to feel depleted and drained and just like affirming that, that you're not, and choosing not to deplete yourself for the sake of another is money. Yeah. And then just going to the sentiment that people think it's a virtuous trait to put others before themselves. Yeah. Not no. all you're doing is hurting yourself. You need to be number one. And you need to look at everything that you have been through, everything you've endured, everything you've survived and say, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be number one. Cause no one else is making you number one. You have to be number one. And when you could be number one in your own life, everyone else in your life can show up as their number one. Everybody yeah. wants. When, when you choose yourself and you choose your healing and you choose to be number one, you give permission to other people to do the same thing. Then yeah. they start rising. Then they start healing. Then they start wanting to do the work. And then from there, we have a domino effect of all these people that are becoming empowered and want to heal and want to do better for themselves. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, so with that said, I wanted to kind of like segue just into, as we wrap up the advice that you have for, as you just made that amazing exclamation for people who desire to do this inner work, but yet feel scared you know, having heard our conversation that it's not all rainbows and sprinkles. Now, what is your recommendation for them getting started to dip their toes in that inner work? I would say to get started, 
getting Reiki sessions done, that is very gentle. It's super gentle. So I like for people to start off gentle. Yeah. You don't just want to rip off like band-aids upon band-aids upon stitches. Yeah. But we also need to remember that when we put a band-aid over something that's rotting, the rotting is going to take over what you're covering up. So you would look amazing on the outside, but if you have something rotting inside you, you know what overpowers the smell of a thousand roses? Yeah. One rotting thing. Yeah. And it will do that. So it's, and I say to people that are positivity only and let's only think optimistic. And it's like, you can have optimistic narrative without being toxic to yourself. Toxic positivity doesn't work. It just makes you sick. It just makes you repress. So it could be, I'm not okay right now, but I know I'm going to be okay. But for right now, I'm letting myself not be okay. How is that not positive? Yeah, exactly. No. So I think teaching certain toxic positivity is number one too. Just having a day of saying, you know what? I'm just, I don't feel good today and that's okay. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to push my limits and I'm not going to push my boundaries. It's Mm -hmm. validating yourself. It's saying, yeah, that relationship, like we blame ourselves so much, Mm -hmm. you know, taking blame, like, yes, take blame, but also take some blame off of you and say, if I knew better, I would have done better. Now I get the chance to do that. It's, it's going into the systems of like, well, this isn't working. How many times am I dating the same person with a different face? How many times am I feeling the same way? How am I, how many times am I crying myself to sleep at night? Something has to change. People don't, people don't change until something breaks them to wake them up generally. That's what makes me sad because that's like my whole mission is to like, let's not get to that point. Like you said, like we said earlier, like we're willing to volunteer as tribute to not get to that breaking point and then have to, you know, build ourselves back up from ground zero. Yeah. But we'll circle back. There's so much wisdom and pain. Yeah. There's so much to be said. So if we could examine it and not look at it as like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever, if we could observe it and sit with it and know sometimes that pain has to happen because our body needs to cry. We need to mourn for things that we don't even know what we're mourning for. We need to like find the experience, like find it. Um, And then I'm just going to say the other side of the coin is there are some people that are like, well, I had a really good childhood, but I still wound up in these experiences. Okay. Let's, let's figure out what your soul needed to evolve. What did we need to evolve here? It's, it's all relative. There's no comparison. Some people that are like, my trauma wasn't as bad. No, it's all relative. That was your worst. Your worst may not be my worst. My worst is not someone else's worst. Exactly. It's stopping compare trauma. Yes. Because the nervous system responds differently. And like we talked about earlier on this episode, it stems from generational, but then also like that moment in the womb, like where, where your nervous system and your gut was even developed, like all of that really played a factor in, you know, your ability to, you know, process that. And then let's dive into what was your mother's state when she was pregnant with you and what were you taking in from her nervous system? Exactly. One of the things that I really love, again, I use a lot of mantras and like to distill these concepts is like, and what you spoke to a few times so far has been this idea of like, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. 
Yeah. And that's when we start to reclaim our power and our choice and our autonomy and our sovereignty again is recognizing that nothing you experience and what you're even creating right now in your life that you're stuck in and can't get out of, it isn't your fault. So like you said, the guilt, the shame is not going to help you. It's going to dive you deeper and deeper into a spiral. You just need to take responsibility of your own healing so that you can break free of those chains. Yeah. Like even starting as little as writing letters to your inner child and just saying, little me, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. I'm so sorry that you had to do this alone. I couldn't protect you then, but I can protect you now. Let's do this. And taking that inner child out of the driver's seat, putting them in the back in a car seat, you going in the driver's seat and you driving them away from that house that they grew up in. You driving them away from where they're sitting in their trauma still, that quantum timeline. Yeah, exactly. It's like baby steps. Yeah. Small victories become large victories. Oh yeah. And it's just being patient with yourself too. I I have days that I'm like, it's not, I'm not, I don't feel good. What the fuck is going on? Like it, just being patient with yourself and knowing that whatever is coming up in your somatic body is happening for a greater purpose. And whatever is coming up, you just say, put your hands on your heart, hands on your solar plex, and you say, I'm here for you. Whatever you're going through right now, I'm here for you. I love that. Yeah, it's been absolutely liberating for me over the past probably year and a half to almost have just this, like you said, this ability to like set the boundary now about saying no to a rolling partner. The same thing like with me about like anything, like I used to just push and just like ignore my body and like, but now it's like doing so much healing work. There's this almost like point of no return because once you increase your consciousness and you heal energetically and you just, you heal your body, it's, it's almost more effort to go into those old patterns than to really, cause you, you know, that it's all through choice like once you start healing and expanding that. So it's like, no, I don't want to. I, I felt like shit when I pushed and when I kept like, no, I want to listen to my body. Like, it's just so easy for me to wake up. And if I'm not feeling well, and just be like, okay, we go with the flow today. You know, and nice. like when I was 18, it was like, just pop a Tylenol or something and just like go to the gym anyway, because it was on my schedule and I can't be here for my schedule and we have to just keep going. And it was just like, and it's just so liberating to be in this space, which is why I'm so passionate about bringing it to other people like yourself and like the work that we're doing and the mission that we have, because like, you never want to go back to that old way once you get here. Yeah. No, (laughs) I even the other day I I was having a good day. I rolled with four people. Um, great rolls. I had so much fun. And then it was like the end where it was like one person asked me to roll. And I knew that he had some stuff going on in his life. And I was just like, hey, not today, I'm tired. Because I was like, you know what? I'm choosing to not weaken my biofield because they're going through something in theirs. And it's not personal. And I normally, to prove myself, right? I wanted to prove myself so bad. I will tell you the funniest part is when I first went to Ocean County, because I've known Tom for years. we were internet friends. And when his father passed away, I read him Mm. and years later, you know, we stayed in touch and I didn't even realize how close his gym was to mine. It wasn't like a thought then. And 
I saw him at a uh, competition at 10th planet. And at the time, like me and my boyfriend had just started dating and he had told me once that he dropped into Tom's and he was like, yeah, and he like brought you up. And like, cause we came from the same gym and I was like, Drew dropped in at your gym. And he was like, he was really good. I want him and like DM'd him that minute. Cause I was like, I was like, Drew needs to go to Tom's. So I like set this up. I'm like, <laughs> and then um, I didn't go for months, months, a few people from um, our last gym. It's a non-competition gym. Um, so our, our guys that I was super close with, it was like all my best friends left me. So I was like, so I went to go check out a class and like try a class. And I wound up just like doing what I naturally do. And I'm like, I, I love being on the ground and I like hit like X guard. And like, I did the x and I came up with, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. and I kicked out his leg and I forced, like, I went down into half guard and Tom was like, he goes, what? He goes, all right. Yep. I want you full time. And I'm like, I impressed Tom to blast, <laughs> right. Without even trying, just being myself. Yeah. And that was such a healing thing to me. 100% healing thing to me and then like all these other notions that your your brain thought that you needed to do to seek you know the approval like once you were yourself and you received that you're like whoa well this isn't what I thought because I wasn't even thinking that I could impress him yeah so it was like I'm just having fun yeah and then by having fun and having just that those clear boundaries with myself and not putting pressure on myself and saying, who cares? Like, I'm just here, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be Jaden, you know, like, I'm not going to be this person. I'm not going to be an ADCC, like whatever. And from there, I was able to like, really just let go and my mental state. And that's when I was like doing the best. And that's when it was like, and you know, Tom gave me my blue belt and it like really, solidified the journey for me I'm yeah. like not only am I with somebody that's trauma informed oh good and cares so much about his team oh, and yeah. talks about his stuff it's like I'm with somebody that wants to learn my gifts and everyone in the gym respects my gifts and yeah. it, it's just that alone is healing <laughs> when you choose yourself and you go where like it was hard to leave my old gym. It really was like some of those girls are my best friends. And I like, I've, I, I love them all. I have not, there's nothing, there's not a bad word I could say. It, 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 I just, you know, I wanted to be with my friends and there was this guy that like really saw something in me that I felt like maybe other people didn't see. Yeah. And I wanted to explore that because I felt like I worked so hard to be there. I deserve to feel special. I deserve to, to have my work seen. Mm, I love that. And in choosing myself, I'm now like, look at where we're at right now. Yeah. This moment right here. Yeah. Because I chose myself and look at what we're doing with it. Mm. So if that's not a classic, like full circle moment, mm -hmm. I love that so much. So that kind of leads me to just the last thing I have for those who are interested in getting sessions with you. What is your process in working with a client? Obviously, you're booked out till 2024, <laughs> but. For those who want to be proactive, um, just what does that process look like? What can they expect? Is it Zoom call? How long are they? So what happens is you um, you book through my website and you email my assistant. Um, my assistant sends you a Calendly link and you pick a date. Um, 
I used to book people before I was as booked as I am. I used to book people based off intuition. Um, I can't operate like that anymore. Unfortunately, I'm one person and my assistant is only one person. Um, so they pick a date. My assistant sends them a zoom link. I know nothing about you. I, I don't even know your last name. I only know your first name and what time I'm calling you. It's a zoom, the zoom pop on the zoom. Hi. And then from there, it's you, you kind of experienced it with yeah, me. Yeah, no, I experienced it before we recorded. Yeah. All the information just comes flooding. It yeah. just comes absolutely flooding to me. And we, it's about an hour. Um, I've never in my life, because I have a lot of integrity. Integrity is very important to me, um, especially in this work, because I've, I know what it feels like to be every single person that I talk to. Um, I've never been like, okay, we're at the hour. Like if it runs over, it runs over. Like I just try and do my best for people. And I like to give people enough tools that I always say, and, and I have, so like single sessions are booking for into next year. Uh, my wait list is still a thing. We're going to like let that uh, out in a bit, but I have double sessions where it's like you book one and you get a follow-up, which I do um, earlier on. I, I don't, that it, it's because then the next session goes into the next year's booking. It's just like a thing that I've had to do um, for some people that are, I, I don't know. I can't use words right now. I'm not communicating. Um, I forget what I was saying, but it's always on time. Um, there are people that are like, yeah, I booked this six months ago and you know, I'm here for now a totally different reason because two days ago, this happened. It's like, it always works yeah, it's always yeah. on time. And um, love it. Pretty simple. Yeah. It's the website and not even an application. You just kind of boom follow up, you get the Zoom call, you hop the Zoom call, she reads you like a book and <laughs> offers support and her wisdom. And that if you want to follow up, she has that process of doing the follow-up. Obviously, like I said, check out the Instagram. That's where she channels all of that into captions and you will learn immensely from everything that she has to offer. So again, I'll put that in the show notes as well, as well as her link to her website. And then I always like to end on a jujitsu note. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to know right now, what is your favorite takedown and or submission at the moment? Um, my favorite takedown is Uchimata. Mm. Um, or, or Tayatoshi. Oh, really? Oh yeah, because uh, you're judo, yes. I love Tayatoshi. Um, it has been, you, you want to know why I love Tayatoshi? Because it was the hardest one for me to understand. Oh yeah, that was, that, that one is so difficult. Do you like to do it with like, uh, same side collar or cross collar? So I've been hitting it. We do mostly no gi. Oh, okay. At Tom's. And so for me, it's kind of like I go for the collar tie and I get the underhook and it, it I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'm going to botch this to anyone that's like a legit, like real judo person. I'm <laughs> like, you know, only two years in, but I grab here and I get the underhook and then I. Start. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, so it's also cool too, like to get Uchimata. So like, I'll, I'll come in, you know, you, you hand fight and I, um, I whizzer over. Yeah. That's one of my favorite ways to do Uchimata in Nogi. Oh my God. It's so fucking fun. Yes. There's it's nothing so fun. Submission. Um, I know what it is. I just can't think of the word, uh, like a, a rear triangle when I go to take a the back. Triangle? what reverse triangle yeah 
Oh, okay. I'm going to take the back and I'm really sneaky. I'm very sneaky with triangles. And uh, last night, me and Cam, we were working on this cool fucking arm bar. So it was like doing like a knee slice pass and like coming in and having the arm under my arm and grabbing the back of my thigh and then throwing my leg over. And then I don't know the name of it. Is it the same side arm? Yeah. 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 Those are really tight. Those are nice. Yeah. It's been really fun exploring being like tight and just like. Yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah. Like, really coming into myself, but for sure, Uchimata, Tayatoshi. I love triangles. I love art. I love omoplatas. Um, oh. Like a lot, like an abnormal amount. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, everyone's bigger than me at the gym and everyone's stronger than me. So there's a lot of time. 15? 117. And I'm five and foot. How tall are you? Five foot. Oh, okay. Little so people I, unite, little people. That is really what connected us soul to soul was that we're, we're little. <laughs> and so the beautiful thing too is, so when I got sick earlier in the year, um, my muscles atrophied. I lost all my muscle. Um, and I was a kickboxing instructor and personal trainer and I lost everything. And I said the wisdom in my sickness. So I was lifting to and I was training and I was lifting and I was building muscle to avoid my abusive relationship and not deal with it. And I said, my body had to get rid of the muscle that was built in trauma and mm. rebuild built in an empowerment. Mm. That so is a specific way snaps to that. Think of all the trauma that was sitting in that muscle yeah. that I built. I had to lose it all. I lost everything, everything. Yeah. And I cried and I mourned with it now. I'm lifting again and I'm rebuilding my muscle in this next level new year, Alex. And I love it. Yes. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Mm. Well, this has been just such a soul enriching episode. And this is one of our longer episodes, but just so awesome. And I cannot wait to connect with you. I mean, obviously this is just the first of many. Um, so I'll be connecting with you again more as always for those listening in, please feel free to tag us. You could tag Alex and body by boss LLC on Instagram to share any insights or ahas or anything that you learned that you want to just share, please tag us. I love to celebrate you guys in, you know, committing to yourself and learning this stuff and committing to your growth and evolution. That's always something I'm willing to celebrate. So, Imagine, um, 2023, we did some sort of weekend seminar together where you teach the jujitsu and the somatic body. And I do the emotional physiological and help people. Mm. I'm going to start, I'm going to start planning it now just popped into my head. 100%. We'll talk about that after this. Yep. I like it. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye.